This call is being recorded. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always your host, Evan Sider. I'm joined by co host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. Also, make sure to follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page at Locked On PHX Suns. I'm noticing every day that we're getting more followers over there. So, appreciate your support and keep hitting that follower button if you have not yet. So, Locked On PHX Suns is the Twitter handle. But Lots of stuff to talk about today, Brennan. Just in less than 24 hours after Ryan McDonough was officially fired, around 9 a.m. today on Tuesday, 9 a.m. on Monday, it was officially known that McDonough was fired, but 9 a.m. on Tuesday, which is today, we got a tweet from Woj that says, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver is leaning toward the eventual hiring of interim general manager James Jones as the franchise's full-time GM, league sources tell ESPN. Jones had been the VP of basketball operations under former GM Ryan McDonough. And then he also got a story out about an hour later, and there's a lot of details in there about Sarver's reputation. He's sort of back, even more aggressively meddling in the negotiation process, at least under McDonough. And also that Jones fired all of McDonough's guys after he fired McDonough. Lewis Lehman, Pat Connolly, Courtney Whitty, all of McDonough's guys are gone except Trevor Buxton, who's been a mainstay since the Lon Babby era. So Jones did... The job for Sarver, it seems like, as far as firing, firing those guys, he's already assembling a staff according to Woj. So, a lot, uh, really, a lot to unpack in that one little story from Woj and the Suns there. And it kind of tells you that maybe this is, thing has been in the works for a while behind McDonough's back. I mean, if he's already putting together a scouting staff in less than 24 hours, then yeah, this, no. <laughs> like, yeah, this seems like it's been like Sarver's had this idea about James Jones probably since he's been hired. Yeah, I mean, I think. I don't know if it was in the story or, or in the, on just on a tweet, he said that he had hired Jones to like apprentice. Oh yeah, here we go. Last year, quote, last year, Sarver hired Jones to apprentice under McDonough and prepare him for a larger role in the organization. I mean, that's how it looked from the outside, but if that was just so widely assumed, like (laughs) find me a bigger role in the organization than the vice president of basketball operations, that isn't the general manager. There isn't one. I mean, he created a position for Jones to come in that was already pretty high up. If there was just an understanding that that was like a spreading your wings type of experiment or um, audition, I guess you could even say, I just don't understand. I think it puts into perspective how tumultuous or just frustrating the last year must have been for for McDonough and not even just him but this entire staff who has already been dismissed uh just in this short amount of time and I think we'll we'll start to hear as things trickle out who those scout I mean who the scouts are who he hires to replace it the Northern Arizona Suns don't have a GM right now there's no leadership in the scouting I would assume the more of the lower level scouts got fired too, because the director of regular scouting and international scouting both were fired. Like this has been a long time coming and I can't imagine how it must have been doing his job just day to day, knowing or hearing in, in the background that this stuff was going on for McDonough. Yeah. That's gotta be put in a weird bind. And you have to wonder how McDonough really didn't make a panic move this summer. If he, if this was the inkling around the organization, like props to him for sticking to the rebuild there. I'm not giving McDonough credit or anything as far as how he did his job, but at least sticking to his guns and sticking to the guys like Josh Jackson and Mikhail Bridges and Aiden Booker, the young Corey didn't want to break up or anything like that. 
So him going down at the flame of the timeline makes a lot of sense for him. And obviously Robert Sarver pivoted directions there. So the first thing that I get, we talked, we touched on this yesterday, but the thing that really caught me off guard was Sarver opening, openly mentioning that James Jones is first and top priority before the season even starts his first day on the job. You have to get a starting caliber point guard before the season starts, which is now just over a week away, Brendan. So first time GM, He's getting thrown straight into the fire, making his first ever trade. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. It's certainly, I, I, honestly, my my main thing is like I'm glad that Buckstein's still around. I know that there's a lot of strengths that Jones will have that McDonough didn't have. There's obviously reasons we talked about last night. Like he's put into place, a, I think, a day to day rhythm and routine for the players in a way that at least as long as I can remember, there hasn't been one. They haven't had a really player-minded general manager. Um, and I'm not just assuming that because he was a player. I mean, that's been his focus every time that we've talked to him. And even I, my ear perked up after the open practice. Um, I don't know if you noticed this too, but we were asking Kakushka if it was our last chance to talk to him before the preseason game. So we were like, you know, what are you expecting going into actual games? And he said, you know, we're going to treat training camp just like a camp day. And he like really went into detail on the routine that they have. You know, he even mentioned like taking vitamins and uh, regular exercise routines. Like I just had not heard that kind of discussion about the day to day for the team until Jones came into picture. And I think that's going to be a strength of his, but what isn't going to be a strength is negotiating deals. And so I'm glad that Buckstein is sticking around because I think if he wasn't, I would be really worried that Robert Sarver and James Jones are negotiating a high caliber deal. But I, I, I'm still anxious to see what it looks like because I think you and I both wonder that it and worry that it might be an overpay. Uh, Nothing really has happened to soothe that because all we've found out is Jones has even more power. And like I said, I just don't know if he's necessarily the right guy to handle that type of thing immediately. Going back to this, I know it's a, a kind of a small detail, but were you kind of surprised that Robert Sarver wasn't the guy that reached out to McDonough's employees like Connolly and Lewis Lehman and let them know it, but instead it was James Jones or how, what, what was your read on that? Cause I found it just a little bit interesting, but really not surprising, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's the guy in power now, but it's funny because you read through and it's the tough thing about trying to parse through something that's so carefully written um, right after paragraphs where it says Jones fired several of McDonough's organizational allies and hires Monday. Okay. That's fine. It is a little bit weird, but then two paragraphs later or three Sarver has earned a longstanding reputation for aggressively involving himself in basketball decisions. So did, did Jones fire those people or is this just back to square one and maybe Jones had a relationship with some of those people, but the mandate to clean house came from above. I don't know. And I'm not trying to guess, but it's really tough to parse through a report like this where it's telling you one thing, but then kind of giving you reason to doubt that that's even really the case or that we can ever even know what the real case is. It's, it's going to be the thing to, to grapple with uh, until Robert Sarfer sells the team. There's no reason to believe that anything will change until that point. And not that they can't succeed in spite of it, but it will have to be in spite of it. It won't be Sarver taking a back seat. I think there's really no way to imagine that happening. It's been what more than 10 years. Yeah. At this point, I think it's about 11 or 12. Yeah. Really quickly though, on Sarver, 
just from an outsider's perspective, because I've seen this a lot of national reaction to at, at least like the last few graphs. I don't know if that's just blowing out proportion to get back at the owner that was firing someone or what, but that was pretty damning stuff that was wrote about Sarver in those last few paragraphs about him. I knew you had the story pulled, Brennan. Just if you wanted to let the listeners know a few paragraphs, because it, yeah. it's just really deep, interesting stuff about like how involved Sarver actually was. Yeah, I'll read the last uh, two. It's just the second and third to last paragraph. So I read the beginning. Sarver has earned a longstanding reputation for aggressively involving himself in basketball decisions, but it's become harder for coaches and front office staff to manage in the past two years after the Suns became Sarver's primary business interest. Suns coaches became accustomed to regular beratings and demands of strategy and lineup changes, league sources said. Rival executives could sometimes hear Sarver yelling in the background on negotiation calls with the Suns' front office. Agents tell stories of private conversations involving Sarver without the front office's knowledge. And then a, a nice little try for uh, balance in the story, he says. As the Suns search for a starting point guard on the trade market, they already own a solid nucleus. Okay, well, yes, sure, but the larger problems are spelled out pretty clearly in those two previous paragraphs. Yeah, that's... That's so dysfunctional to me that that's even worse than like the Sacramento Kings. That's worse than James Dolan and the Knicks. Like what is going on there? I mean, it's hard to get a read because we don't see the everyday operations around there, but ooh, that's just a really scary thing to say in that report. Yeah. It's, it's, I still think the Kings is worse. Let me get that out of the way because at least Sarver see, I mean, a lot of the basketball decisions, like bef- put it this way, before we we read this today, or before McDonough was fired, we were pretty decently optimistic. You can pick nits. I think the point guard thing obviously is the main one, but the summer was okay. They hired a coach we liked. They drafted a guy who has all the talent in the world. They added some veterans. Nothing really was er- was awful. The problem with other off ownership situations is they actually make the complete wrong decision. So I guess that's maybe one thing to be excited about, but the massive problem is that that's not his job. Um, I mean, I, he seems to think that that's the best way to run the franchise. And I guess it's, I mean, it obviously is, it's up to him to, to make that call. He kept saying in the interview with Burns and Gambo yesterday on 98, seven, that, you know, he kept going back to, you know, as an owner, the, the last call of really you take, literally ownership of every decision made within the franchise and that's how he sees things and this is clearly his approach but i have no idea how someone would want to work in that type of environment that's the thing i was telling you like in our group chat with bright side of the sun today like if you're a max free agent the suns are probably going to have 40.4 million dollars in cash space now because at this point they aspired everyone that liked dragon better in the organization so I think his option definitely get declined, in my opinion. So that's five, $5.9 million more freed up for the Suns. Stretching Rainer since contract gets him to $40.4 million. And if they trade TJ Warren, that could get them up another to— Another McDonough guy, right? Another McDonough player, exactly. So that could get them up to over $50 million in cap space for next summer. I think around $52 million or something like that. I might be off there, but it's definitely over $50 million. But what's just your thoughts on that? Because Jones now inherits DeAndre and Devin Booker. Josh Jackson, for the meantime, if he's not traded for a point guard, like an all-star cover point guard, the, at least Booker and Jackson, and he has probably $50 million in cash space. But I guess from the free agency point of view, Brennan, who in the world wants to come to the Suns after they've seen that report today? I don't know. Nobody. I mean, player-wise, I think money talks. 
winning talks. They're still one of the more promising if they're not maybe the very top option as far as young cores, but they're, they're really high up there. So, you know, we've seen them woo players in free agency before, even when Sarver was the owner. So I don't know necessarily if, if that, a lot of what Woj is talking about here too, does specifically pertain to dealing with him from a front office perspective. Now we know that players had problems in the past with McDonough we don't really know to what extent that extended to decisions that Sarver was making that, you know, maybe McDonough kind of had to, was just the, the messenger, so to, so to speak. Maybe he was just somebody who kind of got caught in the crossfire. Now he's, he has plenty of fault in his own right, but it's tough to tell with that. I do think players maybe aren't as caught up in this as, as, as front office people. And maybe that's, the reason more than anything why Jones just makes the most sense because he's already had to deal with it. He already knows how things work and how to deal with Sarver. Apparently they seem to have a good relationship or at least Sarver believes in Jones more than he believes in these other guys. But this is another quote from the Woj piece. It says Sarver has never shown an inclination to spend for an experienced, successful top basketball executive, which we know that and recruiting an elite candidate is only further complicated by Sarver's poor leadership reputation. I just, you know, people read Woj. It's not just fans that read him. The whole league is taking notice, and I don't know how you can be anything but worried. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's really something that's going to have to be followed for the next year plus under Sarver's leadership, of course. But um, really quickly, though, I wanted to touch, just touch base on what's going to happen later on because I just don't see the situation. Obviously, James Jones is going to be hired as the GM of the Phoenix Suns, in my opinion, and heavily favors that way. I just don't know how – what I'm trying to get at is obviously Robert Sarver thinks that James Jones is a guy that's going to get in players here. He's a good recruiter. He's known around in the league. He's very well-respected, former NBA Player Association treasurer. So he has a very respected voice around the league, and I expect Sarver probably trusted him more than McDonough to go into the next offseason, which is probably even more important than this one because especially now with James Jones probably in his first offseason under his belt – he's going to have him instead of McDonough go out and woo these max free agents with that cap space. So I think it was more about trusting him than McDonough to get that done. Is that a fair read to say? It seems like the the relationship with players is the main onus on Jones. The thing he has to do better, the thing that Sarver clearly believes he will be better at than than McDonough was. And like I said, that's a clear mistake on McDonough's part. He will be as honest as anyone about that. I think that he's said as much several times. He said he had a really interesting um, interview with uh, Amino Hassan and somebody else on the radio during summer league when the Tyler Ulis problems were coming up and Booker didn't find out the right way. And whatever happened in that situation. And McDonough was super honest. He's like, we made mistakes as a franchise communicating with players. And we put this, this and this in place to make sure that that happens, better communication with agents, better communication with players and so on and so forth. But um, I don't necessarily think that that is such a big problem that a change has to happen, but clearly Sarver did. And I think, yeah, now you look at it and you hope that if that was the the primary motive along with some personnel mistakes that Jones can at least rectify the 
communication parts because, you know, if nothing else, I think you can assume that he knows kind of what players want. He knows what these guys are thinking and feeling on a day-to-day basis in a way that a guy with a scouting background like Ryan McDonough wouldn't have. Yeah, that is true. And I think that McDonough's voice kind of was getting lost in server's ear, I imagine, over a guy like James Jones who has a proven winning track record as a player. I think that might play a part as well. But before we go any further, Brent, I just wanted to mention our Locked On NBA and NFL shows. Get your all your NBA previews this week at Locked On NBA show, our national show on the Locked On Network. Our Phoenix Suns preview will be going up later this week at 16 today, five days this week. 30 teams preview from the local experts on our all of our markets in the Locked On NBA Network. You can also find all those at the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or telling your Alexa smart speaker to play Locked On NBA. You can there all the pockets on the network are great. I listen to Locked On Jazz a lot, Locked On Nuggets. That's, there's a lot of good ones around the Pops network. That is a good one. That's I mean they're not as as important anymore, but that show's really good. They they're smart. We had Chris Manning on before, so a lot of our guests you'll you'll recognize their names if you scroll through the options there. For sure, and I also the NFL Network. I remiss not to forget about them. They have um, a new fantasy show. They have a Locked On NFL Fantasy with Vinny Iyer of Sporting News, who's a really big guy around NFL news wires. And they also have the 24-7 Locked On NFL Fantasy Football Network, which you can also find at the Apple Google Podcast or tell your Lucky Smart Speaker to play Locked On Fantasy Football. So really, NFL. I'm, I'm a Colts fan, so I listen to Locked On Colts a lot. So Locked On Cardinals, you can also find them as well. Really good host for them. So also make sure before you go any further to check all those podcasts on the Locked On Network. We really appreciate your support throughout the network. So let's get back into it, Brennan. What's your overall thoughts on just moving forward now in the next week with James Jones as the GM now? It's not official, by the way. I mean, we're assuming this. I think it's a very, very strong lean. It's James Jones. But from this entire process, Brennan, I feel like it made sense for James Jones to be the GM because if they were going to get an outside voice here – that kind of goes against everything that McDonough has built and also what James Jones has been along for the past year, because if you get an outside voice, he's definitely going to want his own guys there, at least players as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, the writing was on the wall for sure. Like we talked about at the beginning. Um, but I've, here's a question. If let's just say, the reporting didn't come out the way that it did. Now we know that was the, maybe one of the motives for firing McDonough. So it's tough to separate the two, but in a vacuum, if you had a list of the guys we talked about yesterday, the guys who were in the running for some of the recent openings in Philadelphia and uh, you know, all the past couple of years. So that's Justin Zanuck from the Jazz. That's Gerson Rosas from the Rockets. That's um, the Celtics. I cannot think of his name. Um, yeah, there you go. Those candidates, Sam Hinkie maybe, if you lean that way, and then James Jones. Like, Where would James Jones have been in your kind of power rankings of your personal preference for who you think would be the best guy or the most uh, qualified guy? Like just to put into perspective whether this is a complete problem or just an interesting choice. I really think honestly you'd be in my top three out of those guys because he has the player experience. And none of those guys on the list have, which I think is kind of unique to him. He's won titles, but he also really lacks obviously green wise in the executive career where that guys like Zanuck and Rosas and Zarin have a lot more experience on and know about everything else outside player relations, which 
I think honestly, after McDonough experiment, if I was in Robert Sarver's shoes, trying to think of getting the mind of Robert Sarver here, he might want to go a different direction than those guys. So going completely different and going James Jones, like the Philadelphia 76ers did after Brian Colangelo's whole fiasco there in Philadelphia, I think it's just the, the recent trend in the NBA and it's the cheaper way to go for these owners. And it, I think it makes a lot of sense for you, like James Jones here, because I think even though, I, like I say, it's top three can on my list there of there's five you listed. I think that by far he's the cheapest, but also that he has the most upside to be a good GM because like I mentioned earlier, he's well-respected. Yeah. I think it's funny. One thing I've been having to remind myself with this, uh, this change kind of swooping in all of a sudden is, I mean, I think I'm more optimistic than I think the general fan base is. Um, which I, mean, I was thinking earlier, this is separate, but a mailbag might be good sometime before the season to get people to, uh, kind of chime in with their thoughts and questions too. But I'm sure I'm a little bit more optimistic than I've been noticing most fans to be. Um, but at the same time, I'm not like super excited. I think McDonough was did more than more often than not a pretty good job. Um, but Jones is exciting to me. I'm interested to see what he does. That, that being said, it's funny because I think the perception of making a move like that for a, uh, less qualified, less experienced guy, but somebody that has a track record in the league from a different angle is always just completely based on which franchise is doing it. Like the, the Cavs, when they, when David Griffin resigned or they moved on from him, Chauncey Billups was in the running. And I think that was pretty widely supported. Brent Berry just got a job with out of the, the booth, to go join the Spurs front office. If they're teams who are successful and or have a good culture, it's it's like, oh, this was a, this was so smart. I'm so interested to see what happens. And then if it's a team like the Suns, it's it's kind of hesitance. And so I, I've been trying to make myself realize that that a lot of the time I am pretty interested and excited to see how this goes, but that I, you know, need to keep in mind that it is the Suns and kind of balance that. But I've actually been thinking too about for anybody who follows football, the the 49ers hiring John Lynch, I feel like is a decent comparison where he was a little bit further removed from his playing career, but obviously mostly known for that. And then a little bit of time as an announcer and then just got scooped straight up into a front office role. And that's gone really well for them. So there is a track record of that working, but there's a lot of people for where it hasn't worked either. So it's, it's kind of finding where you feel like Jones will fit into that. Just off some quick research, I was looking. I know Jason Kidd retired and 10 days later as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, but from an executive point of view, I think James Jones is the quickest rise from a player, former player, to a, a GM position in NBA history off quick research. Brandon Brand was two and a half years. Jones is just over a year and a half, I believe. So he's got him beat by a year. But really quickly, I wanted to just touch on this because I think it might be an interesting segue here into possible discussions about a point guard or a star player because it seems like obviously. Robert Sarver wants to wants this team to improve and possibly be a playoff team this year. And Sean Sherania just tweeted about five minutes ago an updated report about Jimmy Butler. He said that he plans to start the season in Minnesota. So there seems to be no traction on a deal. The season starts in about eight or nine days for the Timberwolves. And at this point, he's like, no trade's going to happen. So that kind of plays into part for the Suns because a guy like D'Anthony Melton, he, his contract will be available October 30th for a trade. So Maybe they could do something like that. And I feel like something like a Jimmy Butler situation drag into the season helps a desperate team like the Suns out. I'm not, not saying I'm advocating for that, but I feel like Robert Sarver 
and Glenn Taylor probably have talked about Julian Butler because it, it seems like Server wants to make a splash and James Jones might, might be able to do that for him. And what just what's your thoughts on the Jimmy Butler situation and possibly trying to tie it into the Sun situation? Obviously, the Suns don't need Jimmy Butler, but they could see him as a playoff piece like Server wants him to be. Yeah, I don't I don't want them to trade for Jimmy Butler, I don't think, unless they were able to take advantage of the less leverage our or maybe actually I guess maybe it would be more leverage now now that Butler seems um willing to to play that that gives them a little bit more so maybe the price has been driven up it's kind of tough to tell I don't think that what's been discussed that the Suns should be trying to compete with those offers even something like what the Heat offered is like multiple young players and salary relief through a third team I don't I don't want to be involved if that's what it's going to take if I'm the Suns, but um, it does seem like the that situation resolving itself is closely tied to what else happens around the league. Um, and I think the only other thing that could kind of jar a player loose around the, the NBA would be just be we're now eight days out from the beginning of the season or seven for the first couple games. And teams are going to start to make roster decisions over the next week or so. And there's a lot of teams over 15 who have to make, you know, should I sign this guy to a two-way? Should we sign, you know, this guy and cut this other guy? That kind of stuff will start to happen, and that could create an opportunity for the Suns to swoop in. But um, waiting for that just gets you closer to the, the start of the year, and we we know that timing has not been on the Suns' side the last couple of days. I feel like just based off Sarver's tone yesterday in his interview with Burns and Gambo, and also just the sheer desperation for a point guard right now, one way or another, I feel like it's either going to be a trade using the Bucks pick now, which definitely is going to be on the table, I believe, with McDonough being fired, for a guy like Patrick Beverly, or we see them getting involved in the Jimmy Butler discussions and he's traded before the season starts and they facilitate somehow a guy like Goran Dragic paying a huge overpay, though, probably like the Suns' first-round pick, top five protector or something like that, I could see to Minnesota to help facilitate for them. But I feel like one way or another, something's going to happen here. It's going to be an overpay, obviously. Just... It's just so weird to talk about the Suns right now because we know a move is coming, but we know, don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I uh, agree. I mean, I don't want Jimmy Butler, but I know that that's tied to it. I think that's all that I, you know, it's odd to me. I thought it was so weird that Jimmy Butler communicated with Josh Kogi. They like had dinner. That <laughs> It's a rookie. He doesn't even have a relationship with that guy. When I saw that, I started to realize that this thing might not be as urgent as it uh, originally seemed because that closeness with teammates shouldn't be there if you're so frustrated and disgruntled that you can't possibly stand to play with your team. So that situation getting more complicated is not doing the Suns any favors. But, um, I mean, do you do you think that, that Butler would... Do you think there's, like, how... We'll do this again, what we did last night. Like, put the percentage on whether the Suns are a real possible target for Jimmy Butler. Oh man, this worries me to say, but I feel like it's higher than you're going to say. And I think it's around 30, 35% because I just think Sarver has the inkling of being desperate. He wants to be a playoff team. He's tired of losing. You could tell that by yesterday's interview. And I think he's, he also mentioned disgruntled superstars as far as maybe that was Kyrie Irving from last year. Maybe it's Jimmy Butler now, who knows, but Obviously, it seemed like he was part of what he was saying. Seemed like it had to do with Kawhi, but yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. And I feel like maybe after missing on Kawhi and missing on Kyrie the year before, 
who knows if Kemba's available or someone like that, probably would take a lot more than they want. So maybe Jimmy Butler makes sense for them. I just try to think from Robert Sarver's point of view, he wants to make a splash and make the playoffs. And that's what worries me. I think that 30, 35%, at least for the time being, when the owner's steering the ship of the, of the operation, that's probably a little too high, but it might be realistic. Yeah. Well, and look, we are in this situation of being surprised to some degree and frustrated to some degree with the way that this went down. And part of that is because I think we underestimated the sway that Sarver still holds in that organization, in his organization. Um, We underestimated that, I think, and that's why we are where we are now. And uh, so as it relates to a potential big trade that we don't see coming, maybe the smart thing to do would be to default to uh, giving it a more of a likelihood than we think. And I think you're right that it, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but the fact that he did bring up those types of conversations for guys like Kyrie Irving and Kawhi Leonard over the past couple of years is indicative that he wanted the Suns to be involved. He even said he kind of disagreed with Gambo when Gambo brought up, you know, was there was part of the problem that the that McDonough didn't, you know, jump into deals like that or try to be a real player in deals. And Sarver said, well, I wouldn't say that we weren't. And, and so, yeah, I guess you're right that him wanting to be involved is not necessarily something we should downplay. But before we wrap up, I also wanted to mention um, to any potential customers out there, this show, you hear ads on it all the time. You know, podcast listeners are ripe to listen to ads. And if you are a company out there that wants to have something on our airwaves, um, reach out. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter or my email address is my first name, the letter K14 at gmail.com. And you can feel free to reach out to either Evan or I. We are growing rapidly and we would love to partner with some local companies as well, just so it's not constantly some you know national stuff that isn't as personalized. So I wanted to throw that out there before we wrap up. Yeah, that's a great thing to say. If you are a local business owner and you want to partner with us we are definitely interested so hit us up like brandon mentioned at his email or on on twitter at locked on phx suns but any final takeaways from today's news brandon i think it's a lot to unpack in less than 24 hours after we had a big episode last night but it seems like every day this week something new is probably going to keep leaking out and then that probably later this week something's going to break to the point of probably a trade soon i have to imagine this point so this could be a really busy week here on locked on suns anything you want to add No, I think that's it. We'll have more to come this week for sure. All righty, guys. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our next episode.